This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello there and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast. I'm Joe Rimmer and it's Friday afternoon and we're ready to preview the Reds' trip to Bournemouth tomorrow morning. Um, alongside me today is our full-time reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, love. Joe, how are we? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Just... Uh contemplating a long drive to Bournemouth ahead of me tonight. Yeah, I've just told you it's a nice drive and there will be any traffic problems so you won't get there now till probably midnight. <laughs> just in time for kickoff. Yeah, yeah. And alongside James is the man with the best name in sports journalism. It's Theodore Sebastian Barnaby Squires. Thanks for that, Joe. Is that the first, is that the first time we've revealed your full name on the podcast? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Are you happy with that? Have to be, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. What's your, what's your <laughs> middle name? Used to it now. My middle name is William. William. Yeah. Proper middle class name in the middle. Yeah, class, yeah. yeah. It's well, not next to me. So, what's that? Not when it's next to mine. No, no, no not in comparison <laughs> no. to that. No. What's your middle name, James? Stuart. A world first there, yeah. James Stuart Pierce. Do, do you know why? No, I don't know why Stuart Downing. Because my mum was reading a book about the Stuarts. You know the um, the kings. Yeah. And James Stuart was that was whether it was her personal favourite in terms yeah. of kings that that, uh, that she was reading about, but that. That's why. It's an absolute random fact of the day for, for all psycho. <laughs> you don't get this when Ian Doyle's hosting the pod, do you? You just, you just, you just get the tease, same them, rubbish, tease them little snippets out of yeah, it. Yeah, well, anyway, let's start talking football. James, we'll start at Burnley. We won't dwell too much on the game as a whole, but did you fear the worst when Liverpool went 1-0 down? On yeah, Wednesday night? yeah, I must admit, even, even though, obviously, this Liverpool team's come a long, long way under Jurgen Klopp, but... Yeah, I'd I'd be lying if I if I sat there at one 0 thinking no no panic here, long way to go because I didn't I thought I was worried when I saw the team sheet I was even more worried after half an hour and then and then when, when especially the manner of the goal as well because it was just every it just it just seemed like everything was was going against Liverpool on the mm. night you know the refereeing was horrendous in terms of Stuart Outwell letting so much go and yeah. you know that was. Burnley were taking encouragement off that, and then, yeah, and then to, 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 for that goal to stand when it was, I thought it was offside, and I thought Allison had two hands on the ball. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I thought this is it. You no know, first league defeat of the season, and the repercussions. You know, I started writing the report based on, you know, how Klopp would have some big questions to answer about picking that team because I felt as if it was too many changes. It was all that was always the risk. It was going to be disjointed, but. You know, to their massive credit, um, they they fought back brilliantly, and obviously the Milner goal. I think it was important not to be behind behind for too long. Yeah. Um, that Milner goal just kind of punctured um, Burnley's bubble, and then obviously when you've got players of the calibre of Firmino and Salah to bring off the bench, um, that quality shone through in the last twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah, you weren't the only one fearing the worst. Theo was burning my head out in the office with a Jack Cork <laughs> fact that he'd never been beaten in a game. So when he'd scored, when he'd scored, yeah. So um, Theo, we were so glad when James Miller scored. Weren't yeah, we? yeah. Did um, did you also fear the worst? Um, yeah, I think after the fir- the Burnley goal went in, after that first half, you are fearing the worst because they just they weren't clicking, were they? They weren't performing. Um, but I think as soon as Milner scored, it's like right, breathe now, going to get the job done. Klopp said in all his post-match stuff since then that it's obviously going to take time when you make that many changes and they did look a lot more comfortable in that final half an hour the uh, link-up play for the third goal was sublime as well so hopefully that's a good sign heading into this festive period Okay, let's talk about a good point from the game and a bad point we'll start with the good Naby Keita James um, 
his finest performance for the club and finally we got to see what he's all about, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, certainly his best since... I thought he was really good on the opening weekend against West Ham, but certainly his best since then. Um, And yeah, he drove Liverpool forward. I think we've talked a lot about on the podcast so far this season about what Liverpool have lacked, especially in midfield in terms of that dynamism and creativity. And I thought he gave Liverpool that. I thought even in the first half when Liverpool were absolutely wretched, he was the, the one kind of bright bright point and then yeah second half he was absolutely key to the, to mm-hmm. that revival um you know it was it was a shame actually that he was denied by a, an absolutely top class save from Joe Hart because that would have been some goal that you know picking it up what 40 45 yards out only one thing on his mind you know driving forward positive and direct and you know a hell of a strike that Hart did well to tip onto the post um yeah that was you know that that's been one of the massive positives over the last week i think you know, we, we said, didn't we, that this period it had to be the time when Fabino and Cater stepped up and we started to see why Liverpool had bought them. And I think we, we saw that from Fabino last weekend and we saw it from Cater in midweek. Yeah, you're um, also enthused by Fabinho and Cater at the moment, Theo. How does Klopp then get them into his midfield? I suppose that's the problem he wants to have, isn't it? And over this period especially, he needs it, doesn't he? It's a strange one. Two weeks ago, you'd say the defence was the one that looked strongest. All those options in the midfield looked a bit weak. Now a few injuries and those two stepping up. Yeah. It's the other way around. Um, during that first half, I was saying to you, Kaita's having a good game here. He's getting yeah. better and better. I think we raised eyebrows when we saw Doyle's half-time rating for him. Luckily, Not come, for the first time. <laughs> yeah, come full-time. It was a Brexit bit more uh, <laughs> the right result there. But he looks the player that we thought we were signing. Yeah. Um, we've had a year waiting for Naby Kaita to step up and be that man for Liverpool. That was enforced. Two, three months later, finally seeing what was signed. And you're probably looking at saying, maybe not this weekend, but Napoli, those two are going to be in midfield. You, you need that defensive steal from Fabinho and you're going to need Kaita running through defence because Liverpool have to score. They have to win. Mm-hmm. And if they can do this over a prolonged period where we're going into a, a busy period of the season where it's two games every week and it's a big test for foreign players coming over here when you've got that festive period, let's see what they can do. OK, well, as you've alluded to, Liverpool... Uh, a bit depleted now in defence, but one big injury they did pick up on Wednesday night was uh, Joe Gomez. A real shame, James. He's been in fine form this season. Has forged one hell of a partnership with Virgil van Dijk. Um, looking like he's going to miss six weeks. Actually quite pleased to see six weeks yesterday because I, I feared even worse than that. But yeah. it's still a massive blow because it's the worst time to lose him really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the thing. Cause it's only, only six weeks, but you know, another stage of the season... You yeah, know, you'd have missed a you know a lot less football than if it had covered an international break, yeah. or potentially even two. But um, yeah, he's going to miss a lot of key games and going to be a massive miss because he he has been absolutely exceptional so far this season. Um, and that versatility as well, the fact that you know Klopp said today about how he is worried about the workload on Trent Alexander-Arnold's shoulders. You know, he said that you know you you just cannot expect it. Twenty-year-old kid to play twenty successive matches of the intensity that of the ones that Liverpool have faced and are going to over the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, really tough to take. I mean, I know obviously there was a lot of debate about Burnley's challenges and and, and their robust approach the other night, and you know, some of their challenges did overstep the mark. But I don't think you could blame me at all for that one. I think that I'm was... not blaming you. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. That's, not, that's <laughs> nice of you. Um, it, I, I thought that was a that was a really good good tackle and it was just it was just unfortunate the way that the way that Gomez went down that that he sustained that injury mm-hmm. um but 
you know, six, you're right, six, six weeks when you think about what Gomez has been through in his career already, it'd be a walk in the park for him compared to yeah. the, um, you know, the agony of the ACL just after Klopp had taken over and then being on the verge of a comeback and then doing his Achilles like he did. So, um, you know, he, he got back brilliantly and ahead of schedule um, before because he he's such a top pro and is so committed to his rehab and it'll, it'll be the same, I'm sure, this time around. Like James just, has just said, obviously losing Joe Gomez as a centre-half is a blow, but it creates a, a real issue at right-back, doesn't it, Theo? Because Klopp said it himself, he doesn't want Trent playing every single game. We haven't seen enough of Klein to know whether he, he really is an option going forward. Um, but you've got an eye on Fem- uh, Fabinho actually being the right back. Yeah, not Firmino. Uh, not Firmino, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, Fabinho <laughs> being the right back. I'm sure Firmino could play there. He, he can play in a lot of positions. But Fabinho, what what do you think? Do you think that we will actually see him at right back? I know you, you would like to see him at right back tomorrow, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would. Just to have that bit of stability, that protection for Trent going into that Napoli game. Um, you're not going to be able to see Trent playing right back every single game, like I keep saying, on this festive period. And Fabinho is probably going to be the safer option there. I know we've spoken in the past about options on the bench and that's maybe why Klein hasn't got those chances because he can play just that one position. So it's quite good for Klopp when he's got Fabinho who can do holding midfield, he can do right back. And it's not as though he's done right back for any small team. He's done it for Brazil, one of the best Mm -hmm. nations on the planet. He's done it for Monaco. So he's got that experience there. Obviously, English football is a very different uh, platform for him. But if he can do it on the international stage, see if he can do it at Bournemouth. And then maybe that is another option there and you're more comfortable letting Klein go. Joe Gomez then can focus on the centre-back role when he is back and you don't have to blood train every single game. He can still have that rest in his legs. Yeah, Nathaniel Klein must be pretty frustrated. I mean, he's obviously had a horrific time with injuries and he's picked up another knock when his chance might have come tomorrow. Yeah, and... I asked Klopp today actually about Klein in terms of when when does he think he'll be fit because suddenly he could become yeah. very important to Liverpool again, um, and, he, and he, he was he was a bit vague to be honest in terms of exactly what he'd done and how long he thought he'd be out. He said it wasn't a serious thing, but it was just a kind of a niggling issue that he had to to get over. So um, yeah, I mean it, it is that is an it that is a problem for Klopp. I think I think Theo is right. I think Fabino. Is is a decent option to have there. I think also I wouldn't surprise me if we see James Milner playing right back Brilliant. at some point in the next few weeks because you know I, I felt for him a little bit the other night because he scored that fantastic goal and a great finish. Didn't give Hart a chance, and within two minutes he's he's managed to go and play left back for the rest of the night. Um, but yeah, at a time like this, that's when people like him, you know, are so so valuable to Klopp because he can do so many different jobs. But um, yeah, hopefully Klein can get himself fit again soon because. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I think I wrote probably about a month ago now that there didn't look like there would be any way back for yeah. him at all. Because, you know, even when he has been fit, you know, he wasn't even getting on the bench at times earlier on in the season. But now he must be looking at it and thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, the, suddenly opportunity knocks and there, there might be a way back for me at Liverpool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Sean Dyche and Jürgen Klopp because they've been talking a lot this week after after the game. Um, Dyche accused storage of cheating. He also... Uh, criticise Jürgen Klopp for being upset about the challenges that Burnley put in. James, you're at the game. Did, did you think that Burnley were over the top? I mean, the, the few challenges that I've seen, the the one from Ben Mee on Gomez, I didn't think was a terrible tackle. There is a, a fairly nasty one from Phil Bardsley on, um, on Roberto Moreno, but was it just a case of them being physical throughout the game that, that upset Klopp? Yeah, I think... 
Do you know what? I think the truth was somewhere in between. Yeah. I think um, there was. I thought there was one bad one early on that hadn't really been talked about. It was the one on Gomez when Gomez. I think Gomez was almost off the pitch down by the corner flag. Yeah. I think it was Brady. Yeah. And it was it, that was a, like it, that was a really. I thought that was a naughty one yeah. because he was the, the ball was going out of play anyway, and he you know that was one where he clearly was looking to to leave leave yeah. his calling card on Gomez and. Yeah, Bardsley on Moreno. I mean, I think some referees send him off for that. He went, he went over the yeah. top of the ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you know Burnley, Burnley were always going to be physical, weren't they? They weren't going to they weren't going to stand off and and say, well, mm. let's let's have a so you can play the prettiest football, especially yeah. in the plight that they're in at the moment because they they are a poor team. Like uh, you know, it was it was because Liverpool were so bad really that that they found themselves behind in that game, not because Burnley were particularly impressive, but. Because Stuart Atwell refereed it the way he did, you know, he, he let things go, and that you know that then fires their fans up. It fires the Burnley players up. Um, but no, I think they were overly physical. But you know, as we said earlier on, you can't blame Ben Mee for for Gomez's injury. Um, and do you know what? I don't I don't particularly like Sean Dyche to be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got a real arrogance to him. I don't. Yeah, like, I know and, what you mean. And and you know, like it was. Yeah, he, he had a strop, didn't he, at the final whistle and. I know he had a go at Klopp because he felt that he didn't like the fact that Klopp had been moaning to the fourth official mm. about Burnley's kind of um, physical approach. Um, but you know, that was that was just sour grapes, wasn't it? Because yeah. because it, you know another miserable result for them. You know he, his stock has suddenly fallen, hasn't it? From you know the dizzy heights of last season where people were saying why doesn't Sean Dyche get touted around for all the top jobs, and now. He's in charge of a team that looks looks like they're going to be in a relegation battle for a long, long time. I've actually gone his uh, wrong side before, Sean Dyche. Have you? Yeah? Have I you did yeah? a programme piece for uh, Bolton. It was the year I think Burnley got promoted um, and they were having a dodgy away run at the time going into the derby against Bolton, but it was a midweek game. So the programme deadline was like two, three weeks before that. So I've done a piece saying they're fortunate they've got Danny Ings and I think Sam Vokes both having the season of their lives. Um, their press officers have seen that twisted the words to make it look like oh they'd be in the relegation zone without them too they won like two or three games going into it after our deadline they then won the derby and I think I made a Sky Sports uh, with him quoting saying oh what a piece this is putting it up in the dressing room room (laughs) to inspire Burnley to victory so you inspired Burnley is that the season they got promoted as well yes it's my fault they're in the Premier League well, there you go. <laughs> in effect, he's to blame for Joe yeah. Gomez's yeah. injury. Two uh, revelations there. The revelation of your middle names and that you got Burnley promoted. You're, you're <laughs> a better manager than Sean. I'm Dyson. still waiting for my medal, but yeah. then uh, I think Joey Barton probably is as well. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, James, what did you think? Of, I've watched it back a couple of times and I honestly don't think Daniel Storage dived. I do think he was jumping out the way of a challenge and because there was a guy in front of him has to hurdle almost two two guys. But am I wrong? Do you think he dived? Well, there was no contact, was there? No, there it's, wasn't. It's a wasn't. bit of a grey area, isn't it? I mean, where, where do you kind of... I mean, he, he basically thought the challenge was coming and thought... I'm but not, the challenge did get, come and, yeah, he, and he, he But he didn't, he didn't it, get it. It's, I don't know, we always say that with penalties, don't we? Yeah. Oh, there's no contact. But then, you know, if someone's flying in, you're supposed to just let them decapitate you, and <laughs> before, you before you get the penalty. I, I, at the time, I thought, I, thought, I thought he'd gone down very easily. And then you look at yeah. it back and... It wasn't great, to be honest. I don't. I don't think any of the players do come out of that particularly well. When you, especially when you watch it back in in slow motion, and there's clearly no contact. But you've got to put it in the context of the night in terms of you know he's seeing Burnley players absolutely hurtling. Yeah. You know, Go, Gomez is, has been stretched off. Moreno very lucky not to be stretched off. So I don't. I don't particularly blame Sturridge for that. And it's stupid of Dice to like suddenly try and 
make that the the talking point from from the night because it's it's not cheating, is it? Either it's not like he didn't deliberately, you know, it wasn't one of those ones where someone throws themselves yeah, to the yeah. ground and there is no challenge. It was it was just he saw the challenge coming in and, and tried to get out of the way of it. You know, people will argue the the rights and wrongs of that, but that wasn't the big talking point from the night. Exactly, and it does annoy me when you see managers like Sean Dyche shrug his shoulders and say, well, good old-fashioned British football. And and the, the Phil Bardley's challenge on, on Moreno, he says, oh, yeah, you know, that, that was a little bit over the top. But storage is a cheat because surely what's worse, storage <laughs> might, might cheat them out of a free kick or... Moreno's ankle gets broken, or as we've seen with Joe Gomez, is we've got Sarge's injury broken. history as well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 frustrating, isn't it, when you see managers almost act like the the, the tough tackles are just part and parcel of it, but don't you dare dive, isn't it, Theo? Yeah, and two years ago he was been with the Arsenal job. Yeah, so yeah. it's crazy how the top end of English football could look if he had got that because he was supposed to be one of the leading managers, as we've already said. Same as Allardyce, uh, reputation has changed quite quickly. Um, you do want your players to stay fit. You want to see that good passing football. Burnley, I think they've always got that reputation. It goes hand in hand with just the geographical location, mm. the stadium, the type of team, the type of manager. Um, those teams have to do that to survive. It's part and parcel of English football. Yeah. But it's not the best. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's not waste any more breath on Sean Dyche. Let's move on to tomorrow, tomorrow's game, James. A tough one for Liverpool. Bournemouth have had a decent season. They're level on points with both Everton and Manchester United. Um, but I just had a little flick through their fixtures before and it, it seems that the big teams, they've been beaten or the, then they're beating the best of the rest, if you like. So um, how do you see tomorrow's game going? Do you think they're the sort of team that Liverpool should be able to swat aside? Yeah, yeah, I think... The only thing that worries me slightly is I never really like the half twelve Saturday kickoff just because I think everything just can be a bit a bit <laughs> flat. Um, especially when you've got to go to Bournemouth. Especially yeah, when you have yeah. got to go, it's a long way from it. <laughs> yeah, um, you've but, said that a couple of times too. <laughs> it's almost like I'm not looking forward to that six hour drive. Paul Philbin's flying, you know. You, is you he probably yeah? should. It's a forty minute flight. Jeez, how the, how the other half live? I know. I don't know why you don't don't look into that. It's probably a bit late now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Might be, yeah. Um, where were we? Bournemouth. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they had an amazing start, but they hadn't really played anyone, had they? And then no. once they have played the top teams, yeah. they, they've been found wanting. Yeah. But um, yeah, contrasted memories are going down there. Really, obviously, thick, you know, four 0 down there last season absolutely destroyed them. Um, and then I think what was it the year before the four three the Carrius calamity. Um, so it's always pretty eventful down there. I just, I just think. Again, a lot will hinge on it. It'd be interesting to see what kind of team clock picks. I'm sure we'll come on to that. But um, the one thing when you play Bournemouth is you know, they're not going to rough you up like Burnley tried to and, and got away with for a, a long period of that game. You know, They'll try and play and there will be space for Liverpool to operate in. And usually, touch wood, when, when that happens, Liverpool come out on top because they've got the superior quality. They, they beat them handsomely home and away last season. So... Um, yeah, it's you know, and obviously there's the other you know the dang the carrot being dangled. I'm sure when Klopp's doing his team talk, will be the the chance to go top of the Premier League as well, if only for a few hours. But um, you know, I think you know, I, I think I would put a little bit of pressure on City, especially with the fact that they've got Chelsea in the late kickoff. Yeah, I was going to say to you, Theo, it's Liverpool's. It feels like I might be wrong in saying this, but it feels like it's it's Liverpool's chance to go first for the first time in a while. 
always feels like they're sort of playing catch up to City rather than going first. But anyway, they do go first tomorrow. How much of a psychological blow could they deal to City if they do win, go top, and then City have to go to Chelsea? I think uh, listening to the press conference, Jurgen Klopp's still expecting City to get top spot back. Is that him just playing a little bit of mind games, playing it down a little bit, putting a bit of pressure on them? Maybe, but then you look at Liverpool, who haven't, they've had the best start ever yeah. and there still feels like they're hanging on. They're still, yeah. what, two points behind? Mm-hmm. And I think Andy Robertson said today, any other season, they'd be comfortably top. They're comfortably yeah. top of the rest. But Man City are that good. Um, I don't think it really matters what anyone says. They've got the players to just go out and do the job, no matter who they're playing. Um, Liverpool are probably one of the few teams that can actually go toe-to-toe with them in a one-off game. It's going to be very different to see how it pans out over a 38-game season. It's funny, isn't it, how quickly that gap opens? Liverpool are now eight points clearer, Chelsea in fourth. And um, 16 points clear <laughs> of, United. Of, of United. I, I, I don't know. I suppose in my lifetime, um, I'm a sprightly 30 years old. And in my lifetime, I can't remember such a gap. No, I was trying to think. I mean, what was the gap, you know, in 2013, 14? I think mm. was that was that United under Moyes when yeah. they were. Yeah. So I think come the end of the season, there was a pretty hefty gap then. There's yeah. been a couple of horrible 30 point ones. I think it was 30 points behind the Invincibles as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I can't, you know, that's a ridiculous amount of points yeah. for Liverpool to be ahead of United yeah. after, what is it, 15 games. Um, yeah, it is It is just strange, isn't it? You sat there writing writing the stuff up after the game at Burnley the night and it, it, it is a bit surreal, the fact that we're talking about Liverpool having never made a better start in 126 years when you think of all the iconic managers and players they've had in that period, you know, the unbelievable teams they've had who have absolutely dominated leagues and won them year after year. Um, none of them started the season like this, yet there's not that euphoria around the place mm. just because, you know, in, in a lot of seasons, you would have been five, six, seven points clear. It's slightly harsh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but really harsh. It's, um, you know, when you think back to how many points Leicester won the league with, you know, what was it? Was that late 70s? They probably got more to points now than, the, um, than the 70, you know, I think it's 77 or something like that. Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and then, and now you you might need 100 points to win the league this season. It's crazy, that's, isn't it? That's, that's the reality of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and even, you know, you're talking about the prospect of, it's not impossible that Liverpool could go the entire season unbeaten and not win the league. That is, that's, that's kind of where they're at. I mean, it, that's why this weekend does feel massive in terms of, you know, Liverpool obviously have to do their part of the bargain down at yeah. Bournemouth. But when you, if you, you know, if, if you were going to expect City to drop points outside of that game, against Liverpool at the Etihad on January the 3rd, this would probably be the next most likely one, I think. Because, um, you know, Chelsea, they've gone off the boil a little bit, haven't they, under Sorry, the last few yeah. weeks. and But they, from what I saw the highlights the other night, they absolutely battered Wolves in that first yeah, half. Yeah. And should have been in the clear. And then a few decisions went against them. Should second have had a penalty, half, so, Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So I, I think there's a, there is a decent chance that Chelsea will take something off City. And then... You know, then you know, a that, point would feel yeah. like a like a like progress, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's just then City's crazy goal difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know the, that, the the key thing in the next few weeks is just to make sure that Liverpool stay in touch and that they, mm. they are within you know a, a win of City when before they go and play them again. Tell you one man who's been absolutely key. I um, had to give a public apology to him on a, on a podcast recently, and, and he was clearly listening because in midweek I know he's listening to this podcast <laughs> in midweek. He rubbed my nose in it. Alison Becker, I mean, every single penny of that sixty-five million pound that Liverpool played, paid uh, Roma in the summer, it's it's been absolutely well spent, hasn't it, Theo? He was 
it was just outstanding again, and that save he made at the end. I don't know what to say about it. It was it was absolutely superb, wasn't it? Roma really must hate Liverpool at the moment. They think yeah. they're getting good fees for players, and <laughs> within three months, it looks like an yeah. absolute bargain. Yeah. That save is one of the best we've seen for a while. And I think um, during the international break, we did the Q and A session. You and me, James, and the, one of the questions was, "What about all these mistakes he's making?" <laughs> well, he certainly responded to that last yeah, few weeks. Yeah. You're watching him make these incredible saves, and the crosses are coming in. You're thinking, "Oh, that's a goal." With yeah. Mingale and Carriers, you're used to seeing that being a goal. Even in games where Liverpool like lost, losing to PSG, he's making some fantastic saves from point blank range, and you just don't. You're not used to seeing that from no. a Liverpool goalkeeper. And if they do go on on top of Manchester City and they win the Premier League, he is the reason why. He is going to be the difference this year. Another revelation is that Ian Doyle texted me yesterday and said, "I actually th- think looking back at me rating at Burnley, it was wrong because I'm expecting so much from Allison now. He set the bar so high. I'm not even giving him the right credit." What did he give him? He gave him, I think he gave him a seven. What? Um, he was a nine. That, I mean, that save and then the throw at the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that, that save is under, like, I think it's been yeah. under talked about. I think, the, you know, that's the last few seconds of the game. You know, again, you know, he saved Liverpool points in the derby with that unbelievable save from Gomez. Did the same the other night. And then, yeah, I think most keepers, you know, when you're 2-1 up away from home in the dying seconds, you just grab that ball, fall to the ground and hold mm. on to it as long as you possibly can. And then, hoof it upfield but um it doesn't seem to be in his makeup you know he, no. you know brilliant vision and technique to to find stowage like he did and what within five or six seconds Shakiri celebrating Liverpool's third goal so yeah he's been been unbelievable Alisson you know it's it's been a long long time hasn't it since we've had a Liverpool goalkeeper who's who's that commanding and um yeah and you know, they always say don't they that a top top keeper will like win you 10-15 points over course of the season he's, he's certainly well on course for to doing that at the moment okay well let's finish off because James as you've mentioned a few times you've got to get down to Bournemouth <laughs> quite soon I mentioned so, it, yeah. yeah yeah so let's finish off by picking the team for tomorrow I already know that James and I agree on the team so Theo you're we key in this we've picked the same 11 yeah because we, we do our team scary to piece think and, our minds work the same yeah way. <laughs> just great minds think alike James yeah, that must be it that must yeah be it. that must be it um Theo we'll start with you because we all know who's going to be in goal but you want to see Fabinho play it right back don't you yeah um, it's probably an easier game to throw him in and see what he can do there and it's like I was saying earlier I don't want to risk Trent getting an injury especially with that crucial Napoli game coming up that I don't want to think ahead to Napoli but it's still there mm-hmm. like Bournemouth you expect the team to go and do the job Napoli is do or die so you want your players there Who, you, who's the rest of you back for Let's go, um, I suppose there's only three people that yeah, can be, isn't it? Picks it really? itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've only got two available centre-backs. So Van Dijk and Matip, Robertson left-back. Midfield? I think I've gone Keita, Henderson and Wijnaldum. You've gone Keita, Hen- uh, Keita Wijnaldum and Fabinho. Fabinho, yeah. 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 And I've, I, yeah, I, Trent's an awkward one, isn't he? Because Theo's right. In a way, you don't want to risk him. But then, to be honest, I'd, I think I probably would. I think, yeah, I think I'd play Trent yeah. right back. And suddenly, we were saying before about Klein needs to get himself fit because suddenly opportunity knocks for him. And it's the same with like Joel Matip, you know, a player yeah. who, you know, fourth choice centre half didn't look like he was going to get a look in, and now you know, he's really important to yeah. Liverpool now. Um, you know, Klopp didn't know today whether Lovren would be fit for Napoli on uh, on Tuesday night. So you know, suddenly Matip find himself playing in, in that one. So um, yeah, and then I think I'd go back to a four three three. Yeah, with Keita, Wijnaldum, and Fabino, and then uh, Shakiri. Fabino Salah, I think it would be my front three. Yeah, how come you've gone back to four three three? Not no, I just 
I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it worked well the other night. Mm. Like it was like a four-four-two, wasn't yeah. it? With Sturridge and Origi, and I don't know. I think he. I think he. He tend. He tends to have played four-two-three-one. Yeah. M- more at home, hasn't he? Than. Yeah. Um. So yeah, four-three-three, uh, but. Bournemouth do feel like a team that you need to attack, don't? And they're yeah. going to attack you as well, aren't they? They're not going to sit back like Burnley do. No, it, you know, completely, completely different type of test. And you know, obviously Liverpool's build-up hasn't been great with you know, with Lovren having you know ruled out with concussion and Mane still being out. Um, and obviously, what happened with Gomez? But same for Bournemouth. You know, they Dan Gosling's been ruled out with a knee injury. Cook as well is mm-hmm. out for the rest of the season. Having done his ACL, um, so they've got they've got a few key key players missing as well. Theo, are you in agreement? You go four three three. I've gone four three three, but my front three is slightly different. I've not got Shakirian. I've gone for Origi. I think that gives my front three Origi uh, down the down the left hand side and okay. play Samana. I think that gives my front three. They've all scored. Home and away against Bournemouth in the last two appearances. So hopefully they can all make it three and three. Very deep thinking. Right, we'll leave it there. (laughs) James has got to get to Bournemouth. So we'll let him get away to Bournemouth. Um, Hopefully you're tuning in Monday and we're talking about Liverpool perhaps being top of the league. Wouldn't that be nice? Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.